you know what? I can't read this or quote this thing anymore in the intro now that you've jabbed me at it. <laughs> Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass Thrillers. And this is the Taylor Stevens show with the pick on Taylor Stevens' friend, Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. (laughs) Yes, I was not prepared for that. This week's show is a Hack the Craft episode, which means there's video involved. You can find the video of what Taylor's working on at her Patreon page, patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens, or you can find a link to the video in the show notes for this episode. And I want you to notice that I did use a pronoun in there, and I, in my own mind, I was trying to pluck it out while I was saying it, and I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. Pronouns are necessary. We just don't want to overuse them is all. We were talking before we started recording this show uh, how important the pronoun part of last week's show was. If you didn't listen to last week's show or you didn't see last week's show, because it's really powerful when you see it and you see all the red on the video, um, go back and go back and listen to it. That's something that's made a big difference in my writing, hearing Taylor talk about uh, the pronouns. They're so easy to fix if you see them. Yes, learning to see them is the hard part, and that's why we talk about it here, because you guys should be able to learn from what I've learned. All right, you ready? You ready to go for this week's episode, part four? Part four, yes, I am. Let's go. So, just to catch us up, we're working on a piece that was submitted by a listener who requested our help in showing how to convert from first-person present tense to third-person past tense, and... As many of us know, it can be very confusing doing this, especially making both jumps, not just first person present tense to third person present tense, but from first to third and present to past. And the last three episodes have discussed the pros and cons of writing it each way. We've had visual demonstrations of what it would look like the same paragraph in the four different versions. We did the conversion and showed some of the things that were easy to goof up on, things we could correct. Um, We showed that by converting from first to third, it highlights one of the weaknesses of writing in first person, which is the over-reliance on the words I, my, and me to separate characters. And Now that we had the finished, uh, converted piece, we're going to take that and we're going to line edit it. So, line editing. We're going to break this down chunk by chunk, and I will try and remember why I did what I did. So here's the original, first paragraph. She grabbed the phone on the third ring and turned off the burner, leaving her chicken breast in the skillet and hoping that it was her friend Fiona calling to arrange the pedicure she bought her for her recent 40th birthday. She narrowed her eyes to see her refurbished iPhone screen, but it was a blur. Where were her reading glasses? She hated talking on the phone. Please let it be Fiona. It wasn't. So in this first segment, we're going to delete out the unnecessary pronouns, maybe get rid of some redundant words, And in the parts that are grayed out, 
I'm going to try and clean up for clarity because of the pronoun issue, her, 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 she, she, to make it clear who's doing what, and I'm not entirely successful. Here's what I've got. Tilka grabbed the phone on the third ring and turned off the burner, leaving the chicken breast in the skillet. She squinted at the refurbished iPhone. Where were her reading glasses? The screen was a blur. She answered anyway, hoping it was Fiona calling to arrange the pedicures she'd bought for her 40th birthday. It wasn't. Now, I'm not satisfied with the she'd bought for her 40th birthday, but I don't have time to keep working with it, and that's as close as I could get. I deleted out the part, please let it be Fiona, because I changed it where she answered anyway, because I felt that it wasn't clear enough what was going on in the character's head. It was just kind of, um, it was very present. We're very spur of the moment, stream of consciousness inside the character's head, which is good. But for an opening paragraph, it might read the leader, readers confused. So I changed it for clarity. If the author disagrees with me and prefers the original, that's her prerogative. This is just what I did. Another thing is that when you're writing in first person, you can start with she and not introduce the character for a while because we're with that character. But when you're writing third person, you have to give the reader the character straight up. And so I gave the name, the first name um, from the beginning. And this is going to affect a little bit what comes after, but this is part of the third, the first to third conversion. The next um, paragraph starts, are you ready to meet someone? It was her sister, her four years older, but thinks she's 100 years wiser than her sister, Elaine Calling. She always neglected the opening line pleasantries like, hello, and how are you? And the next line says, Tilly, she said. And I put in there between opening line pleasantries like, hello, and how are you? We need something here to indicate a pause or a wait before Elaine's next line to indicate silence and provide a reason for Elaine to use the nickname as a question. Because what really happened here is, are you ready to meet someone? That's a um, disembodied voice. Then an explanation about who this disembodied voice is. And then the disembodied voice speaks again. So until now, the main character has not uttered a word. And if you got a call that somebody said, are you ready to meet someone, Steve? It's not how it works, right? There's got to be something that prompts for the silence that they would then say your name. So that's what we're missing right there. So here's how I reworked that. It was her four years. Oh, say prior to this, it says it wasn't. And then it was her four years older, but thought she was a hundred years wiser sister, Elaine. So the first version of this said, it was her sister, her four years older, but thinks she's 100 years wiser than her sister, Elaine, calling. That's a lot of words. And I squished those two sentences together and got rid of some of them to make it read smoother. It was her four years older, but thought she was 100 years wiser sister, Elaine. And I eliminated the calling because 
we don't need to know that up here. We don't need to know that. It's, it's already there. It's implied that she's calling, right? Are you ready to meet someone, Elaine said. She always neglected the opening pleasantries of hello and how are you. Tilka, surprised by the question, didn't respond. Elaine said, Tilly? So now, the next segment. She grimaced. We're back to the original now. Yes, back to the original. She grimaced. Elaine knew that she'd despised this nickname since childhood. Her name was Tilka, and she loved it. It was one of the few things her mom ever got right, if you asked her. Tilly sounded like the name of a Walt Disney character, a horse in a children's film. She'd objected to the name Tilly as a child. So did her sister really think she liked it better now that she was grown? Hardly. So I really struggled with this paragraph because it, it, it has its time and place in first person. It's explaining who this character is. But in third person, when we've already introduced the character uh, and given her name, it feels just a little much, a little out of place. So at this point, again, Tilka has still not said a word. And she's had plenty of inner dialogue about the name. But nothing is said out loud. So if that's what was intended, like if it wasn't an accident, that we need some form of inner dialogue to transition us into Elaine's next sentence to explain why Elaine keeps talking in spite of Tilka's silence. Because the way it is right now, this isn't normal behavior. Because the next sentence is, it's me, she continued. So nothing from Tilka at all. So I had two struggles with this. The first was... The issue, like, she spends a lot of time going over this nickname. And the second is, sorry, I missed your birthday. Elaine just keeps right on talking nothing from Tilka. So this is how I worked it to try and keep everything of the authors intact. It's not my preference, but this is not my piece. So this is how I did Tilka grimaced. She despised that nickname. She loved the name Tilka, though. Always had. It was one of the few things their mom ever got right. In comparison, Tilly sounded like a Walt Disney character, a horse in a kid's movie. She'd objected to Tilly, Tilly as a child and hated it through her teens and 20s. Her sister couldn't possibly think things were different now that she was grown. Can we talk later? She said, I'm in the middle of something. Elaine's tone softened. Sorry, I missed your birthday last week. So... Basically, what we did there was kind of cleaned up the order of the, the way that information was relayed about the name Tilka. We cleaned up the order of it to keep the thoughts connected and then gave Tilka her voice so that she gives Elaine a reason to, you know, continue the conversation. Now, my notes on this for myself, or well, my thoughts on this, as if it was my own, is that unless the nickname issue comes up later in the story, it should probably be edited down to about half of what it is now. It worked well in first person because it introduced the character's name, but in third person, we already have the character, and as it is now, it's too much. The options in this case are basically to shave it down to its essence or to tie it back to the story through inner dialogue. Because right now, we only know that Tilka hates the nickname, and Elaine knows this 
and used it anyway. So there has to be a reason that Elaine used it, even if that reason is carelessness. And this is an example of what happens when you raise an issue without bringing it back full circle. Here in this spot, we've made a big deal of something, the nickname, and if we don't tie it off and give it closure, like Tilka assumes that Elaine's using it for whatever reason, even though Elaine knows she hates it, like give it meaning, give it a reason for being there, then it's going to feel like an open thread. And if it's not tied off here, it has to come up elsewhere in the story and be tied off there. Otherwise, it's just sort of info dump. So moving on to the next um, paragraph. Not a problem, she told her. She chewed the cuticle of her right thumb. I mean, yes, it was my 40th, and those big birthdays don't come around all the time, and I'm your only sister with an August birthday, mind you, but it's no biggie. Elaine ignored her jab. And then I have a, a spot where something's missing. Are you ready to meet someone yet? Because I think I've got a lead. So two things going on here, or a few things actually. The first is Tilka starts with not a problem. That's not usually how we speak um, when we're talking with friends. Not a problem is very formal, right? And this is family member who's missed her birthday so if she's saying not a problem and because she's stiff and formal and really actually pissed off, then we need to have something to back that up. The next thing is a thought action speech issue where she chewed the cuticle of her right thumb after she spoke and it's just kind of a little bit jumbled. So I wanna clean that up. Um, we have Elaine ignored her jab. So we're gonna change that pronoun to a the and then Elaine keeps talking, but now she's using words that are like, are you ready to meet someone yet? And it's just, there's some issues here that we need to consider. So here's how I reworked it. Tilka chewed the cuticle of her right thumb. That's action before speech. It's fine, she said. I mean, yes, it was my 40th, and those big ones don't come around often. And I am your only sister with an August birthday, mind you but it's no biggie. So in the original part of it, she had those big birthdays. I'm your only sister with an August birthday. Elaine had just said, sorry, I missed your birthday. And I'm trying to cut down how many times we're using the word birthday, one right after the other. So if you read this revised version, she doesn't say, she doesn't say it often, it's used once. It's fine, she said. I mean, yes, it was my 40th, and those big ones don't come around often. And I am your only sister with an August birthday, mind you, but it's no biggie. Elaine ignored the jab and went back to the real reason for the call because she switched subjects on her. Like, it, if, you, if you're talking with someone and they say, hey, I'm sorry I missed your birthday, and you're like, yeah, okay, fine, you missed it. I am your only sister and you're jabbing. And then they go, so are you ready to meet someone yet? It's like you've never even spoken. It's gonna make you angry. So there's gotta be something that, that segues us from one to the next. And in this way we do it, it's in Tilka's mind that she's, in, she's going, all right, so this is, this is the reason why my sister called. And it, it gets us there without a lot of explanation or anything. So Elaine ignored the jab and went back to the real reason for the call. If you think you're ready to meet someone, I think I've got a lead. 
And the reason I changed those words from are you ready to meet someone yet is because they're very direct. And she'd already just said that earlier. So we're trying to make this um, more natural, more humanized. And so that's the way that I went with it. She had to laugh. After 15 years as a single mother of two girls, she was plenty used to getting help meeting a man. But of her three sisters, Elaine might have just been the least qualified to provide said help. As a teenager, Elaine married a welder 20 years her senior who looked like Ronald McDonald. When that union folded, she traded him in for a man she told the family about only after she'd married him. You'll love him, she'd assured each of them individually. He likes to embellish, so you don't want to believe everything he says, but he's good to me. That was what she thought about while she was talking, that and their tenuous history together. So I have a, um, a few issues here, and I just went and wrote them out, and I'll read them because I just didn't think I was going to remember them all when the time came. So there's something missing here, something that would let the reader understand Tilka's mind about dating. She's been a single mom for 15 years, but the question, are you ready to meet someone, is the type of question that's asked a person when the pain is still fresh from losing someone through death or a really bad breakup. This creates a disconnect between the history and the question that needs, and that needs to be patched, even if it's just a few lines of inner dialogue touch on, touching on it for now. The second issue is with she had to laugh. A few paragraphs later, we learn that this conversation makes Tilka feel wary. Without context or inner dialogue to guide us, the laughter comes across as a sort of aren't you hilarious type reaction. But that levity is incongruent with wariness. It's only after we get to the end of the following paragraphs that we realize the laughter is a mocking laughter, and this creates emotional inconsistency that dulls whatever connection, empathy, or relating to the reader might have begun to feel for the character. The third issue is that Elaine's second relationship is set up, but there's no closure to how it ends. Is she still with guy number two? We don't have to get into the whole story of what exactly happened, but the way it is now, it's like an open-ended clause that needs to be finished or else it feels out of place, and this creates more emotional disconnect. These are types of details that are easy to lose sight of when writing in first person because the I form of telling feels close when it's not. So in order to rework this, I had to make up a lot of stuff that might be completely opposite of what's in the actual story. But I didn't have anything to go on, so I just made it up and I beg forgiveness, but this will give you an example of the types of details that will, how do I say this? When you're writing in first person, it's easy to feel like you're intimate with the character and really showing the character and, and right there with her because you're writing with I and you miss all these details, these small, textural things that you would be more aware of if you were writing in third person. So that's what I'm trying to do is show how to fill in that texture while um, writing a story. And it works with I or with third person. It's just harder. It's easier to miss it when you're writing in first person. So Tilka eyed the chicken growing cold in the pan. I gave Tilka something to do. She was in the kitchen, she was cooking, Elaine called her, she did not want to talk to her sister right now. And so we need to keep bringing that back. 
another thing we need to keep bringing back, which I'm kind of interjecting this here, is at the very beginning, and we'll remember this from the last um, last week's episode, we read this entire piece. So if you were with us there, you already know that these pieces exist. At the beginning, Tilka chews on her thumb, her cuticle, and at the end, her cuticle is bleeding. But there's nothing in between that connects those two. So unless you really paid attention to that cuticle at the beginning, the cuticle bleeding, which is very clever, and I love the way that it's done, um, it doesn't really tie in, right? So we need to to create that sense of reality and keep bringing these little elements back in. And it's almost like a blessing to be able to do that because it gives us stuff for the character to do so it's not just this long stream of conversation. So it's not a have to. It's like, oh, thank God we can do this, right? So Tilka eyed the chicken growing cold in the pan. She said, I don't know, Elaine, things are really busy these days. I'm not sure I'd have the time. It was the truth, if not completely truthful. Fifteen years of being mom and dad to her two girls meant she was plenty used to getting help meeting men. But there was a difference between meeting someone and cycling through short-term nowhere relation, go-nowhere relationships. She was fine with the first and totally over the second. And out of her three sisters, Elaine was the least qualified to provide help to provide said help, which made it hard to be enthusiastic about this so-called lead. Well, that and their tenuous sibling history. Now, I added stuff. I took away stuff. The stuff that I took away is going to show up later. And if we go back to the original here, it's this segment here where it talks about what Elaine did when she married uh, a welder and whatever. Now, the reason I took it out here is because this comes up again later, not specifically, but it comes up where Elaine, um, Tilka is thinking about her sister and kind of mentally poking at her. And what happens if we put some of it here and then have some more discussion and put some of it more down, down there, is it, it's, Tilka just comes across as like this nag of, you know, her sister can't do anything right. But that's not really what's going on. There's reasons for Tilka to feel the way that she feels. So what we want to do is get all the pieces that are connected and related, put them in the same spot and, and weave them together. That way it's just one time that she's basically mentally bitching about her sister and then we move on. It doesn't feel like bitch, 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 bitch. Okay. Um, the other thing you'll notice I changed is it says getting help meeting a man. Now, it's really subtle. But when it's worded like that, a man, it almost comes across like, we're going to help you snag that guy, right? Which is completely different than dating. So those little tiny word choices can sometimes have a big impact. And we want to make Tilka likable. We're going to have to look, we look out for those types of things. Um, also, I will go back and read again what I did after we've gone back over this, where it says Elaine might have just been the least qualified to provide said help. That makes it like there's a close call here. But she's got three sisters. The other two aren't even part of this discussion right now. And Elaine's the one that she's telling all these things about their backstory and history. So why are we equivocating? Elaine was the least qualified to provide said help. And then that's what she thought about while she was talking. I mean, 
aside from the multiple she's and having to confuse that, we don't need, we're just going to reword that because that's not like, I understand what the author is doing here. She's, she's segueing. She's, she's leading into this tenuous history that they have together. It's brilliantly done, just not maybe the strongest way to word it. So let's go back now and look at the fix again. Tilka eyed the chicken growing cold in the pan. She said, I don't know, Elaine. Things are really busy these days. I'm not sure I'd have the time. It was the truth, if not completely truthful. Fifteen years of being both mom and dad to her two girls meant she was plenty used to getting help meeting men. But there was a difference between meeting someone and cycling through short-term go-nowhere relationships. She was fine with the first and totally over the second. And out of her three sisters, Elaine was the least qualified to provide said help, which made it hard to be enthusiastic about this so-called lead. Well, that and their tenuous sibling history. So now the original. Elaine was the sister who intervened when she was in eighth grade and her mom left Alaska trailing her final husband as he fled legal troubles. Her other sisters were already grown and on their own. Still in her late teens, Elaine's fierce loyalty to her was compromised by her natural need to rebel and have fun. It meant that she was left in various sketchy situations in studio apartments with her and her rough-around-the-edges friends. It meant they spent money she earned waitressing on fun nights in the bowling alley instead of groceries. At the time, she had simply wished for a nice foster home. Ever since then, she'd remained wary of Elaine's help, wary yet weighted by indebtedness. And we have two, two things going on here. One is um, we're missing a lot of texture, a lot of details, and I'm going to make stuff up to fill that in. The other is that here we have a sister who more or less sacrificed her teenage years to raise her younger sister, and her younger sister is complaining about it. Now, obviously, it's not that cut and dry, but that's what it can come across as. You know, you sacrificed, but you didn't sacrifice enough. So I want to give Tilka a little more humanity here in this. And again, I'm making stuff up as I go to try and fill in these gaps and also to make this less telling and more immersive with detail. So the last thing that we left off on the correction, um, not the correction, the um, rewrite, was, uh, you know, Elaine was the least qualified to provide said help, which made it hard to be enthusiastic about this so-called lead. Well, that and their tenuous sibling history. It had been difficult to describe childhood as easy. Mom drank a lot, and the men cycled in and out of the house. But that all changed in eighth grade when she chose a man over her kids and left Alaska with her third and final husband, tagging along as he fled legal trouble. Deb and Marley, the two oldest, were already grown and had young families of their own, so Elaine had taken on the role of mother. She'd been barely 18 at the time and fiercely loyal to her younger, and fierce loyalty to her youngest sister had been compromised by the natural need to rebel and have fun. For Tilka, that meant moving often, meant sketchy living situations in crammed apartments with Elaine's rough around the edges friends, meant dodging drunk and druggy grabby guys, and meant that money Elaine earned waitressing more often went to nights at the bowling alley than to groceries. 
Tilka had daydreamed of a better life in foster homes. It wasn't that she didn't appreciate that Elaine somehow kept a roof over her head or that she failed to grasp the teenage sacrifices her older sister made. It was just hard to be grateful while enduring the, jeer enduring the jeers of kids at school because she hadn't been able to shower in three days and lectures from teachers over having fallen asleep in class again and going to bed on an empty stomach for the second night in a row. She'd remained wary of Elaine's help ever since, wary yet weighted by indebtedness. So that's my version of humanization and also giving texture to what that past actually involved in a way that involves details that people can relate to rather than just sketchy situations or, you know, what have you. Okay, we're, we're becoming weighted down by the length of this show, Taylor. So this is a great point to break. And then we will wrap this up with a fifth episode next week. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back again with the conclusion of the line edit to this story next week. That's right. So come and join us. <laughs>